Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here. And I also want to welcome you to Summer Stories, a series that we do every summer in which we highlight the ways in which God is at work in the hearts and lives of people in our church and in our community. And I'm really excited for uh, the story this morning and the way that I know that God is going to speak, to challenge, and to, uh, and to encourage before we jump into our story for this morning, I actually want to begin by reading you a story, a story that Jesus told, uh, and it comes from Matthew chapter 7. And when some crowds had gathered to listen to Jesus teach, this is what he said. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You see, Jesus would tell these stories, we call them parables, as a doorway for the audience to listen and to reflect on their own lives, to reflect on their own stories. You see, Jesus wasn't trying to give construction advice. Jesus is trying to dig deeper, and he's using a story to get us to do that. The story you're going to hear this morning, as a part of our sermon series and, and our message this morning, is going to do the same thing. It's going to cause you to examine your own life your own way of thinking, and your own heart, and the ways in which God may want to move in and through you even now. Hello, I'm Stephen Sable, and this is my summer story. So I want to uh, give you a little history um, about my youth, because no story can be told without a little backstory. And as a youth growing up, we grew up Catholic, it was me, my mom, my dad, my brother. And I would, I would explain my church going as a seasonal Catholic, which I went Easter and I went on Christmas and maybe a couple Palm Sundays in between that. But my faith was not the forefront of my life. Um, I did not build my life with this strong foundation. I believed in God and I prayed every night, but that prayer was very repetitive. I didn't know, I didn't know uh, how to pray. I didn't know what to say. So I, I just rehearsed the prayer and I would just say it every night. And, um, but I remember about 11 years old and my mom coming up to me and talking about my dad and her relationship and uh, that they were getting a divorce and I was young I was I didn't know what that meant you know he wasn't around he was army um, so he wasn't around a lot during my childhood but she dedicated one day a week for me to hang out with him and it was Wednesday I distinctively remember that day. And um, 
I thought it was the best thing ever. Like I get a dedicated day with my dad. Like that divorce means nothing to me. And I remember years, years went by with just me being able to spend time with him on Wednesdays and play games and watch baseball games and just interact. Until one Wednesday, um, I came home from school and I was on my way to my grandma's house. And normally I would see his blue Dodge Neon. And Neon was, Neon was the car back in the day. And um, it wasn't there. It wasn't there that day. And so I went inside and I gave him a call. And I called him and I said, where are you at? And he said, I'm running late. I'll be there in a little. And uh, as a kid, a little meant forever. So I waited about an hour and I gave him a call again. And he said, I'm watching a movie. It's almost over. And I was like, okay, I guess he at the movie theaters or is he at home watching a movie? Like, why can't he leave, pick me up, go back? And I waited about a half an hour extra and I called him again and he said, it's not over. I'll be there when it is. And I turned to my grandma and I said, I'm going to play because I don't have enough time as it is anymore. The sun's coming down. Like I want to go interact with my friends. And I told her if he comes and I'm around, great. If not, and it is what it is. And uh, I got home, street lights came on. I came, I came to my grandma's and I said, did he ever show up? Just hoping that he would have. And she said, no. And um, I realized in that moment that he chose a movie over dedicating time with me. And um, that was tough. It hit hard. I remember me starting this story with my faith was not there. My foundation was not there. So in that moment when he did that, I was considered the man who built his house on sand. And in that moment, that's when the rain came down. And I was stubborn and hard-headed and angry and um, I just let those emotions get the best of me. And then years pass, and I'm in high school now and it's approaching graduation, which is a huge deal, huge deal. Um, and I remember inviting him. And knowing that he went to my brother's, I assumed that he would be there for mine. And he wasn't. And it's those disheartening moments that, where again, my faith was not there and my anger, my anger just started to build and those streams rose. And then a, a few more years pass and it's college graduation and now he's out of town. He's already moved back to Tennessee. My mom 
gives me occasional updates on on where he's at or what what what's he doing what he is doing and um i sent him an invitation for a college graduation now i'm becoming a man and i didn't expect him to show up but i expected a phone call and that wasn't there either It was a big deal for me. And again, the anger and the animosity just kept building against this man. He's my dad. And several years pass. And uh, I get a phone call from my mom, hysterical as all can be. And she's yelling on the phone, I'm at work, that my brother passed. That my brother died in a car accident. And if you know anything about my mom, she is she can take things from a base level to a 10 when they're not even that necessary. So I automatically was like, I just talked to him yesterday. There's no way. I just talked to him last night. And I get a phone call from his soon to be wife confirming what had happened. And those shoulda, woulda, coulda moments just flow through your brain. Like, I shoulda went fishing with him last week. If I coulda just maybe talked to him today. And my dad drove down. My dad drove down to bury him and what I thought was to rejoice as a family and know that we can all mourn together and be with each other in this tragic time. And I remember him arguing with my mom over trying to drive the body in the casket to Tennessee because he thought he so rightfully deserved his body. In the midst of all this, these emotions, he's thinking of taking the body away from his soon-to-be wife and the family he had here. And totally missed the Missed the point. And um, I remember in that moment, if you were to ask me if I hated him, I would have said yes. And the winds started to blow. 
on my little house that was built on the sand. You know, the teachings of Jesus are hard. They're challenging. Sure, there are some aspects of Jesus' ministry and the things that he taught that are encouraging, that are uplifting, that are nice. There's things that people love to quote and put on coffee mugs. But there's a lot more to Jesus and his ministry and his teaching than just the nice little nuggets of life wisdom that make us feel good. Jesus called people to a radical, reckless abandoning of their way of thinking, of their way of living, of their way of feeling, of their way of doing life. And what we're talking about today may be the hardest of all of Jesus' teachings. Earlier we read from Matthew 7, and Jesus was teaching to large crowds. And in Matthew 6, that's actually just towards the beginning of that teaching, same setting, still teaching large crowds. And Jesus says this, and some of this is going to be pretty familiar to you. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then here's Jesus' commentary on that prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgivelessness is spiritual suicide. It's withholding from others what God has so freely given to us. And now I meet my soon-to-be wife. And we're getting married. And bless her heart, she wanted to build this tainted relationship back together. And um, it's something that I, I thought was unrepairable. It was, it was more than a decade now. And uh, she urged me to send him an invitation. So I did. But as spiteful as I was, and so hard-headed, and how hard my heart was, I sent him an invitation, leaving out my hyphenated last name that I didn't think he deserved. That I didn't want to give him the satisfaction of having that hyphenated last name to be where I'm at in life. And on the invitation, there was a yes and a no. We kept it simple. And when I sent it, I knew he was gonna say no, automatically. But then my hope is that maybe Eve, my wife, is right. And this relationship can begin to flourish again. And a few days later, I got it back with a no. A big no.
and I was angry. And I started to blame her, like, I told you that I shouldn't have sent this invitation. I told you. And a few months later, I get a letter in the mail. It's from my dad. And it was around Christmas time and I had a check in there for maybe wedding money, maybe Christmas, along with a new family photo of his new wife and all the kids that he's raising. And I just remember ripping it up to shreds, shoving it back in the envelope and just sending it back. Like how could he, he's just trying to poke the bear. I did it to him with the invitation, now he's doing it to me. Hard-headed. And my faith was still not there. God was trying to find a way into my heart, but I didn't know. And that's when my house crashed with all the anger and the animosity and just the f so many feelings going through my head and in my heart. It's when you think everything's docile and it comes back with, with this family photo and petty money, as I would call it. And then I became a dad. I became my own dad. To two beautiful kids. And I didn't want those kids to build their lives on the sand. I wanted them to have a foundation. And we started to go, into, go to church. And in church, just being able to learn and hear the words of Jesus, it's, it's eye-opening. And I accepted Jesus and got baptized. And God found a way into my heart. And I wanted to forgive my dad. I wanted to forgive him for things that he may or may not have even know he caused in my life. He may not even know the way I truly feel. And after talking with Adam, he gave me the advice to write him a letter. And a letter was easier for me because in a phone call, I feel I couldn't express the same emotions as I would on paper. And I started to write that letter and I intentionally wrote it so that I couldn't erase it. And as it started, it was just anger and hate and true feelings just pouring out of my brain. 
And then I was scribbling it in there. Like you could see indentations on the table. And you talk about transformation in that moment. In that moment. God spoke to me. This was not the intention of this letter. The intention of this letter was to forgive him. To allow yourself to open up to forgiveness. And I did. I forgave him and opened those doors to be able to build a relationship with my family. To build a relationship with his grandchildren that he's never even met nor tried to. And I sent it and the weight came off my shoulders. And I never got a response back, but I know he received it. I know he received it because he referenced it to my mom on one of their phone calls that they had. You see, if you're in the same situation in your lives, if you are fighting forgiveness, if you are holding on to these feelings that don't need to be there, let it go and forgive. Jesus specifically says to, in Matthew 6, 14, he says, in order to be forgiven, we must forgive. And I tell you right now, when you choose forgiveness, it's so much easier to forgive than to not. And I can't say that the relationship you have will ever be the same when you do so. It may be better or it may be non-existent, as mine is. But the doors are always open. And if Jesus was able to die for us on the cross, to allow us to be forgiven, then can you just forgive? Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not because the person that you're forgiving deserves it. 
because you and I didn't deserve the forgiveness that God made available to us. We didn't earn it. We had no right to it. It was freely given for us, to us. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Sometimes Jesus' words are comforting. They're nice, they're encouraging, and sometimes they're hard. But it's this life of reckless abandon that God has called us to. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this moment that we have to be confronted by you and your words even when they hurt, even when they're hard. Lord, would you speak and would you move right now? I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for a minute. We're moving into our response time. A time of our service every week where we provide you the opportunity to just respond to what God is doing in your heart to the ways in which God is speaking to you. As a part of that response, we're going to sing a song. The song is titled, O Come to the Altar. One of these phrases that we're going to sing repeatedly in the song is, O come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness that God offers to you may be free to accept, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus his life. He died to offer you forgiveness you didn't deserve. For some of you, one of the hardest things for you to accept right now will not be learning to forgive others. It will be allowing, allowing your heart to open up enough and accepting God's forgiveness in your own life because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you deserve it. And you're not worthy. God is worthy and he loves you and he wants to offer you that forgiveness if you'll open up your life to him, if you'll open up your heart to him, if you will abandon your way of thinking, your way of living, your way of doing things, and say, Jesus, I'll follow you. And as a part of this song, we're also going to sing, Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. It's an opportunity for those of us who have been forgiven, who understand the cost that Jesus paid for us, to celebrate that. And as you sing, as you celebrate the goodness of God, this forgiveness that he offers, allow him to not only encourage you, but to challenge you. 
that those who are being transformed by God's love and forgiveness extend God's love and forgiveness. And allow that to spur you on to live a radical life of forgiveness and love for others. Lord, thank you. As we sing, as we respond, as we think, as we pray, would you be honored by the way in which we do those things? We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your forgiveness. And we celebrate how good you are because of what you have done for us.